Hi, welcome to episode 121. Today we're talking about physical clutter and mental clutter and the connection between the two. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, Danae here. This is episode number 121. And this month on the podcast, I am doing four interviews with real life families who are on a journey to simplicity. Today, I'm interviewing Kristen Puzo. Kristen is an active member of the Simple Families community, and I have so much enjoyed following her journey as she has been working towards simplicity in her family. In the conversation that you're going to hear today, Kristen shares with us how decluttering her home has truly decluttered her entire life. It's been sort of a domino effect, which is something I hear from families frequently. I think that you're going to find Kristen's story to be incredibly relatable. And if you are looking for inspiration to get started, I think that this might be it. Before we jump into today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Prep Dish. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, you might have heard me talk about Prep Dish and my undying love for this company. This is something that has truly changed my kitchen and changed the way that I feed my family. Prep Dish is a meal planning service. And now for some reason, I always held this belief in my mind that I would never find any use of a meal planning service, but I was so wrong. So the way that Prep Dish works is it functions in three parts. So you first get a grocery list, then you get a prep day schedule and a dish day schedule. I like to order my groceries online, so I open my app, order my groceries, they're delivered to my house. So step one, you get the groceries. I order mine online, so I just open up my prep dish grocery list for the week and I order what I need. It arrives at my house in time to do what we call prep day. So prep day, my husband and I work together on either a Saturday or Sunday night to prepare the foods for the week. It usually takes about an hour and a half or two hours. And while this sounds like a long time, it's actually been really fun and a great bonding time for my husband and I. I definitely look forward to this time much more than I do Netflix. So after you do the prep day work, you come to dish day. And now dish day is each day that you're going to be serving a meal. You spend about, for me, it's usually 10 or 15 minutes just doing the final stage of the meal prep. And then the food's ready to serve. This means that I'm not spending 45 minutes or an hour every evening preparing dinner. I also feel like now that my husband can help me on the weekends because he's not usually home in time to help me during the week has really helped me to feel more supported. And I feel like I'm not going it alone when it comes to feeding our family. But they also have a quicker prep day option for anyone that's interested in getting this done faster. Back to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kristen as much as I did. If you have questions or comments, leave those in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 121. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Kristen. How are you doing today? I'm good, Danae. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show. I know that you have a sleeping baby. So uh, thanks for sharing your time with us. I'm really excited to hear your story. For everyone listening, Kristen is a member of the Simple Families community, and she and I have been in touch over the past year or so about her journey, and I think that you all will love hearing from her. Kristen, would you say that this is a journey that you are still on, or do you feel like you've kind of arrived? Well, I feel like I've made a lot of 
improvements in the last year. This is definitely a journey. I'm still on it. I don't know if I'll ever arrive. <laughs> so I'm trying That was kind to... of a trick question because I don't <laughs> think that that's even possible. <laughs> right. I'm trying to enjoy the process and I am enjoying the process. So I think that minimalism is this sort of cliche, like becoming a little bit fashionable expression. And I know that that was not why I was drawn to it. Like I certainly wasn't hopping on a bandwagon of any sort. It to me felt like this really necessary natural solution to a lot of the challenges that I felt from day to day. Like what was your original attachment or attraction to simplicity and minimalism? Yes. So I have two boys. The oldest is four and a half years older than my youngest. When the baby was born, I remember, gosh, he was three or four months old and it was summertime. And I just felt like I was constantly cleaning the house. I had made peace with the fact that I am not a person who can relax unless the chores are done. For so long, I tried to be that, you know, be that mom that didn't see the pile of laundry and I could just really live in the moment and have fun with my kids. But that's not me. I I couldn't do that. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to stop trying to be a a person that I'm not and I'm going to be true to myself. And myself is before I can relax, before I can have fun, before I can be in the moment, I need to have a clean house. So I started cleaning and it never stopped. I was just moving things around all day long. And that's when I said, there's got to be a better way. There has to be something that I can do to spend my time more intentionally. And that's when I started purging and I just started getting rid of things. And then that sort of parlayed into this whole journey into minimalism. So do you feel like there was like one thing that just got on your last nerve and you just had to get rid of that set this off? Or was there sort of like a a pivotal moment, did you feel like in this transition? (laughs) There was a pivotal moment in this transition. My girlfriend came to visit. It was June and my kids were home. My baby Baby, like I said, was about four months old. And she brought her son, who is was two and a half at the time. And he's just the sweetest little boy. And my older son decided he didn't want company that day. And he didn't want this toddler touching any of his things. So, you know, I was still nursing four months postpartum. I was horrified. I just wanted my son to be gracious to this little boy. His mom came. She brought us some really sweet gifts and and she was coming to meet the baby. And so I kind of like went into this panic mode and I just grabbed about every truck and toy and everything in my son's room and I put it all out in the living room and I just couldn't, (laughs) I was shocked by how much was in the living room and I couldn't believe it. And I was just trying to get my son, my son didn't want to share this garbage truck that this little boy really wanted to play with. And I thought, well, here's another garbage truck. Here's another garbage truck. Here's a tow truck. Here's a cement truck. Here's a monster truck. And um, she left my house that day. And that night she sent me an invitation to your community. And I kind of laughed to myself and I thought she's so gracious and kind. And this was her little sort of nudge in the right direction. And (laughs) I went to your page and I saw a short video that you had put out about taking your kids to the pool. And there you were with your tote bag and your microfiber towels and your one stick of sunscreen and your one water bottle. And you said, this is what I pack and we go. And it really resonated with me because at the time I wasn't taking my kids to the pool because I was so overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I had to carry. I had a newborn in the sling. I had bags. I had food. I had a wagon. I had a four-year-old. I had to hold his hand. And so I just didn't go to the pool. And when I saw you and I thought, oh my gosh, 
if I'm overcomplicating going to the pool, what else in my life am I overcomplicating and how can I simplify? And that was when I just sort of dove right into it and started reading more about it and learning more about it. I think that that is such an important thing that I would venture to say that all women experience when they enter motherhood is this overwhelm of kid stuff. There's so much kid stuff available. And I distinctly remember the difference when I first brought my first child home from the hospital and I first tried to leave the house with him, feeling like I had gone from being able to literally just grab my purse and walk out the door to having to pack this highly complex bag with all of these critical components. And if I forgot something, the day would be ruined. And the stuff really can easily start to rule your life. And this fear of not having enough stuff and not having the right stuff. Did you feel that this sort of need to have not only everything, but all the right things? too? Absolutely. And I, my oldest son, he's my challenging one. And, you know, I say that he's a lot like me. We're the same person, (laughs) Um, but he challenges me and he's emotional and he's loud. And, you know, I would take him out and I would think, oh my God, if I don't bring the right truck, or if there's another kid at the playground that has a truck and he can't use that truck, my day is going to be ruined, you know? So I need to bring the right trucks. And when we go to the pool, I need to have the, the goggles and the mask and the flippers and anything he could possibly want. I need to provide this child. And what I've learned is, as a matter of fact, I don't, right? That's not my job. My job is not to, you know, haul around his stuff. And there's something very liberating about saying to my son, if you want to bring it, you're in charge of it. You take it, you carry it. Or being in a situation where we're at the pool and he doesn't have the right goggles. And I I tell him, well, go figure it out. (laughs) Or close your eyes. (laughs) Right, close your eyes, figure it out, you know. But I think we do bear a lot of that responsibility for our kids' disappointment on things like that. Like my son is also a goggle lover. Like we went to a swimming hole at a local nature preserve yesterday and the water was only probably up to his knees. And he's like, where's my goggles? (laughs) And I was like, I never dreamed that you would want your goggles here because the only thing wet is your knees. (laughs) But I also didn't put a lot of pressure onto myself saying like, oh crap, I should have got the goggles. And now he's disappointed that the goggles aren't here. Because I did think to myself, I was like, you know, he really doesn't need the goggles. Like kids survive and thrive every day without goggles. (laughs) Right. But yeah, I mean, I think that we can easily try to do everything and be everything for our kids when it's not in their best interest. And it's definitely not in our best interest. (laughs) Yeah, yes. I actually had the thought the other day, I was like, you know, we spend so much time and energy trying to do everything and trying to be everything that we really are robbing our kids of the opportunity to do and be things that if we've already done everything and created everything and defined them, then what what's their job? Like, what do they get to do in life? Right. Nag when we forget. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or or make us responsible for these things. And I just, I feel so empowered telling him, you know, go figure it out. Like you're, you're a smart boy, you're a capable boy, you know, or next time you pack the bag and and making that his responsibility. Yeah. And it's not a negative thing. It's not a punishment. It's sort of like, oh, you know what? We don't have it today. I guess next time we go to the swimming hole and you're in wading deep water, like you can bring your goggles if you want to. But today we're going to have fun regardless. And yeah, and I I love watching him, you know, go out and and find a friend and the friend has goggles and asking, can I borrow them? And the next thing you know, he's made a friend, they're passing these goggles back and forth, and they're having a great time. So 
I took that pressure off myself. And now, you know, like you, I packed my small little bag and, and we go and we have a great time. Yes, absolutely. And if for some reason you forgot something, you can always go home, right? Right. <laughs> if you, right. If you truly need to. <laughs> right. Like if you forget a diaper and your son has a blowout, which was an issue the last yes. time we went. But we survived that too. You know? <laughs> absolutely. No, I and I, to- I totally agree with that. So I have found I didn't expect this change. I mean, when I started decluttering my house, I didn't expect that my mental load and my brain was going to be so much lighter as a result. I really thought it was just my house. And I actually always told myself that my brain was really organized because I always remembered everything. Like I had a really good memory until I had kids. And then (laughs) and now I was like, and then I had kids and all of a sudden, not only was my house messy, but my brain was messy too. When did you realize that there's this association between physical clutter and mental clutter? I realized it one night I was cleaning my kitchen counter. And when we bought the house, we've been living in our house now for actually, this is our five-year anniversary in the house this August. And um, I was cleaning the kitchen counter and the kitchen was renovated in the 80s. And we have these green countertops that are kind of an eyesore. And there was this trivet that just came in the kitchen when we moved in. And it's the same material as the countertop. And for five years, this trivet has been sitting in the corner by the cooktop. Um, I chop vegetables there. The crumbs get under this trivet. It's always, you know, messy. And every night I remove this trivet. I clean under it. I clean over it. I put it back. And never, ever, ever once have I actually used it as a trivet. And so I looked at this and I thought, what am I doing? Like, why, why do I clean this every day? And I threw it in my Goodwill bag and now it's gone. And I thought, how many seconds a day do I spend cleaning this trivet? Almost mindlessly, you know, and how much time am I wasting each day, you know, each month, each year cleaning this trivet? Might, might not be that much time, but what else in my house is like this trivet, like things that are just here that I don't consider or think about or think about the purpose of this or why am I holding on to that? And so what I did was I kind of went through the house and I just started looking at things a little bit differently. And I thought, is this item, is this possession, is this material thing worth my time and energy? I mean, there are things like the, the chairs that I have in the living room, which we still have, we haven't gotten rid of those yet. Um, but if they're not lined up just right at the corner of the carpet, I will stop and and adjust them before I walk past them. And it's like things like this that we do. I'm like, well, what, do I really need this chair? Like, why is this even here? So I really started thinking of my stuff in terms of how much time and energy does it take me to take care of this item? And what is it giving to me? You know, is this fulfilling me in any sort of way? And I just started getting rid of stuff. And it was, it's been amazing. You know, I used to be the person who would say like, oh, it only takes me two seconds to clean the right. trivet. And yes. it's just two seconds. It's not a big deal. And I operate that way for a long time until, you know, I think I actually made the realization when I was packing a bag, I was traveling somewhere and I was packing a backpack and I wanted to bring like my real camera and my laptop and like all these, like a bunch of random things that I might not have totally needed on this quick weekend trip. And I packed my bag and put my backpack on and I was like, holy cow, like this is ridiculously heavy. So I started to take out just a few little things, like little things 
things that weighed like six ounces or eight ounces. And all of a sudden, my bag got lighter. And it was sort of like, yes, I can bring the camera and I can bring the laptop. I just have to leave all this little nonsense that I don't actually really need. And the little things, they add up like they mm-hmm. have weight, even if they just seem like little things, they cumulatively are become a really big thing. Yeah. And I had that same, it's funny, that trivet story makes me think of, we had placemats and we have placemats in our home. We don't really use them anymore, but I didn't grow up in a family that used placemats ever. Like we never had any placemats in our family. And my husband's family always used placemats, like every single meal of the day, even snacks, they used placemats. And when we got married, that was something that was just like natural to him, like that we were going to use placemats. And I was like, sure, let's use placemats. Like it wasn't a big deal. But then then one day, I mean, this was recently in the past like six months, probably, I was cleaning the placements and I said to my husband, I was like, every day, five times a day, three meals and two snacks, I wash these placemats. I wash under these placemats. I hang the placemats to dry. Why do we have these placemats? Like, what is the purpose of these placemats? And he tells me, well, they're so you don't have to wash the table. I'm like, well, you show me one mother that has ever had to not wash the table after her young children have used placemats with their meal. Because if you know a small child that can eat and stay on their placemat, then please show me that child because I don't know any of them. Yes, that is the exact reason why I donated my placemats as well. <laughs> right. It's just, but it's funny. It's like you just take it for granted. Like, this is just what you do. This is what people right. do. Like, people have yes. trivets, people have placemats, and it's part of life. And you don't question it. And like, it really takes some intentional questioning and thinking about these things to really examine, like, what is sucking my life? And like, for me, right. like, placemats, like, they were definitely sucking life out of me. And I told my husband, I was like, you know what? Like maybe someday we're going to be a placemat family again. And like right. our kids are older and they don't make a gigantic mess every time they eat. And I'm open to that. And I guess, I guess like leaving this whole journey wide open to thinking like it might look different five years from now or 10 yes, years Yes, it now. will. Yes. And like the stuff. But right now, yeah. Yes. And that's one of the things that I've been really working on um, through this journey is this idea of like living right now. We are living right now. What do we need right now? I can no longer hold on to things for that time. One time, maybe I'm going to use this. And you know what I, I really found in my journey is the emotional tie that we have to certain items. My husband and I bought a treadmill when I wanted to be in better shape. And this was before my oldest son was born. So I think this was, you know, six, seven years ago. And we had this treadmill when we lived in a, in a condo. We were on the third story of a three-story walk-up in Washington, D.C. And we had this treadmill in our loft space. And I used that treadmill throughout my first pregnancy when my personal trainer came over and made me <laughs> use it. So I remember this treadmill and how fit I was in my first pregnancy and, and how I'm going to be that fit again. So we're going to keep this treadmill. And so what would happen is I would like come downstairs and I would see this eyesore, this monstrosity of this piece of equipment. And I would think, oh God, my basement would be so much more comfortable if this ugly thing wasn't here. you know. And then I would think, well, I should just use it. I mean, it's down in my basement. I can wake up 15 minutes early. You know, I only need a little bit of time on it. You know, so why don't I use it? You know, I'm not, why am I such a loser that I won't get out of bed 15 minutes early to jump on this thing? So there's all these like emotions and thoughts tied into this piece of equipment. 
And then what I found, because I will say since owning less, I actually have more time to do the things that are really important to me. And so I have found time in my day to exercise almost every day. I'm doing like these 30 minute recorded workouts. But not on the treadmill. Not on the treadmill. And so what I do during these 30 minute workouts is I watch my children hang off the treadmill my older one will turn it on. My younger one's hand is like close to the belt. And I'm here I am like doing sumo squats, yelling at my kids to get off this treadmill and actually fearing that they're going to get injured on it. So then I, you know, rush over there and I unplug it and I'm annoyed that they interrupted. So here I am like, why am I keeping this thing? Like what purpose is this serving? And so I say to my husband, like, let's sell it. And he's like, we need to get, you know, $250 for it. I'm saying nobody's going to pay that for a used treadmill, right? So we ended up getting rid of it. I don't miss it. You know, I think, gosh, if I'm ever going to go for a run, we live in a beautiful neighborhood. I can just go right outside. And now I can do my 30 minute workouts. And when I'm doing my sumo squats, instead of yelling at my kids about the treadmill, I'm telling them not to hit each other. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, and but, being open to those changes because at one point you liked using the treadmill and you liked running, and now you like doing 30 minute videos. And that is part of just embracing you as a person who's changing and your desires are changing. And that's totally okay. Yeah. And like we hold on to these things thinking they represent something like that treadmill for me represented like a fitter, healthier me. And, you know, I was disappointing myself every time, every day I didn't use it. Every day I looked at this thing and it's not that I sat and had this long thought process every time I looked at the treadmill, right? I would just walk past it. But subconsciously, like those are the thoughts that are swirling. And when you finally realized, when I finally realized all of this, it was a no brainer. I was like, okay, this is going. (laughs) Yes. This is leaving our home and it found a very nice home with somebody who uses it regularly. So I feel really great about that. Yes. I had that same experience postpartum with the scale, which is obviously a very loaded (laughs) thing, but I just was like, what am I doing? Like, why do I need this thing in my life? Like, what is the value of having a scale if it just makes me ticked off every single time I step on it. Yes, and you're right. I just I got to the point where I was just like, no, it has to go because it's literally destroying my day every day. And yeah. I and you know when I stopped weighing myself and we got rid of the scale like that I feel like was such a, a pivotal moment for me because I stopped thinking about it. Like I stopped thinking about the number that I weighed and especially postpartum, like that's such a huge issue. I know for many women, I know it was for me losing the weight after, especially baby number two, that like that was, it's just such an emotional, an emotional piece that just can weigh us down physically and emotionally weigh us down, holding on to these things that actually are not any good for us. Yeah. I was holding on to a dress that I loved and I wore it one time. And I remember the night I wore it, I felt so good. I was surrounded by old friends I hadn't seen in a really long time. We were staying, um, it was a friend's wedding. We were staying close to the beach and I felt like an all-star. And, you know, I really thought to myself, I'm like, having this dress and maybe fitting into it again, isn't going to recreate that feeling. You know, if the next time I'm going to a wedding and I'm with friends, I'm going to probably want a new dress and not one from, you know, 2010. (laughs) So, you know, just you're right. Right. And every time you look at that dress, you think how not great Right. You look right now if you don't fit it into work it for me now. Yes. Yeah. And if, it, if it's not, if you're not looking as good as you did in 2010 in that dress right now, if it doesn't fit right now, then you're being hard on yourself about it probably. Yes. Right. Like that yeah. emotional toll that having something like that has on you, which 
again, I think we don't really give a lot of consideration to that. Right. You think you should, right? Like I should fit into this again. So I'm going to torment myself by keeping it in my closet until it works. You yes, know? absolutely. Yeah. I actually have found myself that way with some shoes that like, these are really cute shoes. I paid a lot of money for these shoes yeah. and they're terribly uncomfortable. But one day I'm going to be brave enough to like spend a whole evening wearing them. And I never do because I know how uncomfortable they are. <laughs> yeah. But just like this idea that like I should use them. I should make it work. Right. And what I am doing something that I'm calling experimenting with less, right? So things that maybe I'm not really ready to give up, but I just want to try it and see how it feels. And I've done that in my my closet recently where I've pulled out just the items that I am currently wearing, that I currently feel good in, that I, you know, I'm happy to have. And I pulled those out. I left them in my closet. I think it came to about 40 items. And that includes belts, shoes, accessories, bags, and of course, clothes. And the other stuff I just put downstairs for a little bit. And I can't even tell you how much easier it is. I know exactly what I'm going to wear. I know exactly where it is. I know that it's clean and <laughs> it doesn't have stains on it and it's hanging there. And um, yeah, it's it's made a huge, huge difference. And I don't think I'll be putting those clothes back into my closet. I've actually been getting rid of them, but it's made such a big difference in my day. And I have to say that what I find as a mother, I frustrate, I get frustrated very easily, right? And I think a lot of mothers do. And when I'm searching for something in my closet and I can't find that black shirt that I want to wear and I know it's in here and you know, you're searching all around for it and I'm getting frustrated because I can't find it. That just adds to the overwhelm. And so then when my child comes into the room and he says, you know, mom, I spilled the peanut butter. I'm yelling at him when in fact he's five, he's allowed to make mistakes in the kitchen but I'm an adult. I should easily be able to pull that black shirt out, put it on and go. So what I found was all of these things around the house that were like sort of adding to my frustration level. And so then when my children needed my patience, I was losing my patience with them very quickly because I was frustrated that I couldn't find my keys or I couldn't find the little diaper pouch or, you know, and, and, and like these poor kids are getting the brunt of this, right? Because it's easy to yell at your kid. It's harder to look in the mirror and say, get your act together, get your stuff organized. Is like make this life and this house work so I have the patience to parent these children in the way that I want, you know? Yes. And I think that's going to resonate. What you just said is going to resonate with pretty much every person on earth <laughs> because <laughs> it's just so true. I mean, like the time spent digging, like the time yes. you lose and the frustration that it causes and those two things put together. It's not just lost time, but it's increased frustration. Yeah. And it's like this idea that if you have one pair of jeans that you like to wear, then just have one pair of jeans in your drawer. Right. Don't have 24 other pairs of jeans that are bearing the one pair of jeans that you actually wear every day. And it, but it's so hard to get to that point where we can yeah. let ourselves let go of those 24 pairs that we don't wear. I know. I know. And I do. I have, I have two pairs of jeans in my closet right now. I have a white one and I have denim ones. And every time I put on my jeans, I feel like a rock star. Like I love the way they fit. They're comfortable. They're amazing. I put them on. I feel strong. I feel good. I feel like I can chase after my kids. Like they're like amazing jeans. I'm like, so why do I have, you know, this stack of ones that are too tight or pinch me here or, you know, ride up this way or, you know, have a stain. Like what, what am I doing holding on to this stuff? And I think where I've gotten to in my journey, and this is a concept that I actually, I love, and it's, it's been life-changing for me, is this concept of, is one pair of jeans enough? Is this enough for me right now? 
And oftentimes when I ask myself that question, the answer is yes. So when I'm out shopping, I remember I went to Target the other day and you know, I feel like moms always joke about this. Like, oh, I ran into Target for three things and $200 later I I left. And I'm thinking like, I've done that many times. And every time I do, I leave with like a pit in my stomach because, you know, my husband and I years ago decided that I would stay home and I do have a part-time job, which I'm very grateful for, but I am very, very flexible. And I would consider myself a stay-at-home mom for the most part. So we have this responsibility to use our finances <laughs> appropriately, you know, and, and, and I, I feel like saving for retirement is a huge priority in all of this. So, you know, I run into Target, right, for three things. I leave spending $200 and, and I feel sick and I think, oh my God, well, what did I just spend this money on? And I look in my bag and I think, okay, well, I got tape and glue and diapers and bananas and, and well, I wasn't frivolous, right? This isn't a bag full of clothes and accessories and things I really don't need. Like, I'm going to use this stuff. So, okay, make peace with it and come home. Well, what I've found since I've owned less is I know exactly where my tape is. So before I run out the door, I can look in the container. Oh, I have plenty of tape. I don't need to buy more today. Like I know where my things are. I know how much I have. I have 10 bottles of sunscreen because in summers past, I would just say, oh, I'm at the store, sunscreen's on sale, just grab it, right? Well, now I have so much that like, I mean, I think, I, I think I'm good for like four or five summers if it doesn't expire. You know, but it's spending more responsibly and only bringing into the house the things that we actually need and will use. And I remember that that Target trip, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I need diapers. Well, then I thought to myself, you know what? I bought some pull-ups at Costco. I prematurely bought them. I don't think my son's really ready for them, but I have them at home. Is that enough? Can I use them? Will they get me through? And the answer is yes, I have enough at home. I don't need to buy any more right now. So asking myself that question, like, do I have enough? The answer is in this house, we are very, very blessed. We have more than enough. We have enough for ourselves. We have enough to donate. We have enough to share. And when you live in that world where we have plenty, we have enough. I'm thankful for what we have versus, you know, oh, I don't have the right shoes to go with that right outfit. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different experience. And that's an experience that I'm sharing with my children. And I'm very proud to be teaching them that concept. Like you have enough and it's, it's, it's a blessing. Right. And there are so many adults that I think still struggle with that, that they have plenty and don't have really truly the ability to be able to see that, that it constantly looks like not enough. And the idea of, you know, you walk into your closet and you have nothing to wear and you have to go to the store shopping for something new. When you have plenty of things to wear, you just are overwhelmed by the options and the possibilities. And it's easier just to start fresh somewhere else rather than dealing with what you have. And I think that that getting started can be so difficult and sort of just launching off and over it can be really overwhelming. Do you have any words of wisdom for families who are inspired to get started, but just feel completely overwhelmed and don't know where to begin? <laughs> I think we started this conversation talking about how this is a journey. And what's exciting about this journey is, you know, it's, it's a process and you don't know where it's going to take you. But if you keep just doing a little bit at a time, you're going to get there. And it's amazing. And so, you know, for me, I just started thinking, okay, this is, I have too much, right. And I'm constantly taking care of it. And and I don't want to spend my time on this. So little by little, I just started purging and getting rid of. So I, I really think to show, you know, my advice would be show yourself some grace, 
be kind to yourself, be realistic. I mean, we have a shed in the back of the house that is full of stuff. And I would just love to get in there and get rid of most of it. But for us to do that, you know, we have two little kids playing and I need my husband's help. A lot of it is heavy, you know? And so on the weekends, it's like, are we going to clean the shed? Are we going to spend family time? You know? So I look at this shed and I think, oh God, you know, it's overwhelming. I wish I could handle it, but I can't handle it right now. And that's okay. So doing what you can do, showing yourself grace and saying, okay, a little bit of time is still a step in the right direction. There's no end goal. There's no, you know, maybe there is, maybe some people do have an end goal, but little bits do add up. Like you said, those eight ounce bottles to mean nothing, it's weight. So I, the low hanging fruit is the way to go. The things that you can easily, the broken things, the catalogs, you know, the expired prescriptions, like all those types of things that you can just easily get rid of, start there. And then when you get rid of like, for example, all your expired spices, and then you open your spice cabinet and there's just exactly what you need and use, it feels so much lighter and better and and nicer. And it's like that momentum that really builds. So yes, I a hundred (laughs) percent agree. So uh, here's, the question. If I just showed up at your front door right now, would you <laughs> let me in? I would. <laughs> you would do? Okay. Because I, I asked that because, you know, someone posted in the Facebook community recently, something along the lines of, will you please tell me how you keep your house so tidy? And I, my immediate response was, first of all, do I give off the impression that my house is always tidy? Because my house is definitely not always tidy. And I've been reflecting on that as I walk around my house, looking at it not being tidy 99.9% of the time. And I think what it is, is that it's tidier than it was three years ago, but it's super easy to clean up. Yes, yes. So like, it's never tidy. And if you showed up at my front door right now, I'd probably be like, hold on, Kristen, like, let me clean up for like six minutes and I'll be right back. But it's never perfect. It's never in like, you know, like, like photo ready condition. It's there's I mean, I have two small kids that live here. And like people live here like this is an actively used house. There's always stuff everywhere. But it's I mean, I can clean it up. If you give me 10 minutes, I can have it back to like, square one, and it looks great. And that is something that is three years ago, like, no way. Like I was, give me two hours maybe to get it to that point. Like what is your sort of your average level of tidiness in your house? Would you say? Um, not perfect. And I have to say owning less stuff and having less stuff in the house has helped tremendously with my anxiety. So, I mean, I think to some extent, anxiety is always a a real thing in my life, but I have to say, I used to get so anxious. My husband is an extreme extrovert. He loves to have people over. He loves to entertain. And I was paralyzed. Like I literally couldn't do it. And and I would just be freaking out and cleaning up the house and scrubbing the toilets and getting ready and, you know, having to look a certain way and the house had to look a certain way. And I would just feel so much pressure and it was a scary thing for me. And I was so unhappy doing it. And since I've gotten rid of this stuff, and it, it seems so clear to me now that more stuff for me creates more chaos and more anxiety. But back then I had no idea, you know, and I just thought, I'm bad at this. I'm bad at entertaining. I'm 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 not a gracious hostess. You know, like I'm just kind of really mean to myself. For for whatever reason, owning less stuff in the house and knowing that it can be completely clean. I, I can get this house reset in 20 minutes for the most part. And so if you come over right now, it's not completely reset, you know, but that's for whatever reason, that's okay. 
that's okay. You can see there's a pile of blocks downstairs on the floor right now that I would have zero anxiety letting you walk in and, and take a look at that and see like evidence that there are children here. Yeah, I think I got a little off topic on your question. No, so I, excited think, about I, I think that's so accurate. Like right now, my office space is in my master bedroom and I'm looking at my master bed or our, our bed and it's unmade like pillows everywhere. Like it's just, it's completely untidy and imperfect, but it's also really easy to clean up. And I think yeah. that's such a different distinction. And and you're right. Like if someone did come over, I would I would probably let them in. I wouldn't actually tell you like, give me six minutes. You'd come in, right. you'd see my house is not perfect, but you'd also see that it's not, I'm not a hoarder either, you know, right. <laughs> like you would well, see yeah. like, there's people here, like there's yeah. life here and that's cool. I, right? um, I was looking through some of my, my baby is 18 months old now and, um, you know, it's a fun and challenging age and I was reminiscing about the early days. And so I was scrolling through some old, old photos on my phone and there's a picture of him. He was probably like a week or two old and he was laying on the bed and I snapped this photo and what I noticed in the photo, we, we were, this was in my bedroom. He was on my bed, um, piles of clothes and laundry baskets and boxes. And I don't even know what all over the floor of my bedroom. And I think for me, this process has been so slow and so gradual that I haven't really noticed that much of a change. But when I looked back to 18 months ago and I saw that photo and I thought, oh my God, no wonder I was so anxious. <laughs> you know, like there was crap everywhere. And and now in my room, yeah, the bed's not made and the closet doors are open, but there's nothing on her floor. There's nothing on the dresser. Like all of it's gone. <laughs> and o- the only things in this house, no, that's not true. I would say 80% of the things in this house are stuff that we need and we use. Oh, well, I love to hear that. This has been so inspiring, Kristen. I think that you are going to be influencing so many more people than you realize because you have come so far and it seems like it's this journey to simplicity has really changed you and your family so much. And I love to hear that. It has. Good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your time with us, Kristen. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in. If you have questions or comments, leave those in the show notes. That's at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 121. The best way to stay in touch with Simple Families is the email list. Go to simplefamilies.com and on the top, you can leave your email list there. You'll stay in touch with the updates of what's going on on the podcast, on the blog, and in the community. Thanks so much for your support and I appreciate you tuning in. Have a good one.